It is March 15th. Welcome into another All-22 Daily. Uh, it's day three of free agency, Ray. A lot is still happening. Been really pumped about this whole thing. Uh, today was the day of the running back, though. We saw Miles Sanders sign a four-year deal with the Panthers. Jamal Williams sign a three-year deal with the Saints. And Rashad Penny sign a deal with the Eagles. But the guy I want to talk about is the guy that's leaving, right? And that is Ezekiel Elliott getting cut by the Cowboys uh, so that they can save $10 million. Zeke has been a really good player for a long time. He's he's he serviced that team really well. Um, but you, this year, you saw the wear and tear on his body showing uh, after only 265 snaps that year. Uh, he looked like a beaten down version of himself. Uh, is he still able to achieve any high level production? I'd say so. He, he had a 75.5 run grade and a 77.6 blocking grade. Um, I think Z can still find a place to provide value. I've heard rumors about him to the Buccaneers. There might be a few other places interested in him, but you being the Cowboys fan, I wanted to ask your opinion. What do you think Zeke has left in the tank? Oh, it's going to be unfair. So here's the thing. There's hardly anything left in his tank as a runner. Every time he has the ball, that's an opportunity taken away from younger, fresher, more springy legs. It's just the way it is. Every time... The Cowboys gave him the ball instead of Tony Pollard. It was a win for the defense because the juice is just not there. What he does have going for him is that he's a veteran and is a very good blocker, right? And that does matter, um, you know, that pass blocking aspect of it. So he really at this stage of his career is just a veteran player who really should be paid no more than the veteran minimum in all honesty and have a, you know, a, a spell role on a team to maybe get, you know, four to six carries a game uh, and maybe, you know, have, have some run on third downs where, where you need some protection or maybe an outlet out of the backfield where he's still, uh, you know, pretty steady in that regard. But as far as playmaking ability uh, or, or home run threat or being able to, to turn three yards into six or two yards into five, it's just not there anymore. It, it it's just what happens. It's just the natural life cycle of the position. You're, you could be 26, 27 years old. And by that point, you're, you're pretty much over the hill. And that's just what we've seen with Zeke. Yeah. And obviously it was a joke that I was starting out with running back. Today was actually the Aaron Rodgers day. Um, Aaron Rodgers, uh, everybody, everybody was there. There was 500,000 people listening to the Pat McAfee show today. Uh, and Rodgers came out and talked about his experience with what's been going on with the Packers. Uh, and it's, it's really interesting to me as a Packer fan, because it's all things that I think we've been thinking as a Packer fan, we've been thinking these things, right? Ownership. It's us, right? It's, it's, it's kind of on us, but the guys in charge there, um, haven't really been doing a good job. There's been years after year after year of just bad draft picks, um, guys coming in and not really providing the value you'd want from first and second round picks. I think Christian Watson was maybe the saving grace uh, this past year, just because we sort of hit on one guy who had half a year of production, but he did look special. So I'll give him that. But what Rogers basically said is the old regime is gone. They, the, the new regime has a new way of doing things and they're done with me. And he gave the sense that he doesn't feel they did it respectively. Um, and again, that's kind of the sense you get from this new group of, of management in Green Bay, which is really disappointing. Uh, I thought 
you know, we talked about it yesterday. I know I haven't called anything in terms of where people are landing, but the one thing I did call was that Rogers was going to use that as an opportunity to thank the fans. And that was something he did repeatedly. I was pumped about that. Um, and you know, if, if you're a Packer fan, you probably think Rogers is a weird dude, but like, you just can't deny the, the amazing athlete he's been on that team for, for years now. And what he says is true. He loves green Bay and he's provided green Bay good football for 15 years. So um, happy for him. Happy. He kind of found some peace. Sounds like he's going to end up a jet, you know, nothing's official yet, but um, the Packers are, seem like they're playing hardball. And that's, that is the next question I wanted to ask you, Ray. Is there a point where a franchise can say, I've gotten enough value out of this hall of fame player that's played for me for 15 years. I'm going to let him do whatever he wants to do, right? In basketball, we see it all the time. They grant these players permission to go seek trades and go find a new place to play if that's what they want to do. Football's different. That does not happen. It doesn't happen. It didn't happen for Tom Brady. Um, but Aaron Rodgers is here trying to trying to go play for the Jets. And it seems like the Packers are kind of holding him hostage. Do you think that there's a time where they should say, I, I have enough value from this player? Honestly, no. Um Maybe I'm grumpy today, but no, uh, it's, th this isn't a charity case, right? I think the only time those sort of things come into play is when you sign them to a one day contract for like, however many hundred thousands of dollars, it's like, yeah, I'm giving, I'm giving you hundreds of thousands of dollars to say your last day was with this team and you retired with us. But as long as you're an active player in the NFL and with the way contracts are structured, that is different from the NBA, right? When it comes to, you know, being able to dump a player uh, just to get their salary off the books, that doesn't really work in the NFL, right? Given the, the structure of the guaranteed money and how those sta that stays on the cap uh, in future years and so forth. It's just different in that regard. So as long as you're an active player, I have to treat you as, as just another player and put all of that aside, regardless of what you've done for me in the past. So if I have Aaron Rodgers who doesn't want to play for me anymore and has his eyes elsewhere, that's great. Fine. I'll accommodate you because it's mutually beneficial for us to move you somewhere so we can get Jordan love in the game uh, and see what Jordan love has uh, similar to what we did with you, Aaron Rodgers, 17 years ago, right? Then we'll do that, but we need fair value because at the end of the day, you're costing us $40 million, whether we trade you today, next week, over the summer, it, it doesn't matter, right? We have to do what's best for us as an organization because that in turn is what's best for the players, all the other players on this team in this organization who are working just as hard to try to reach the pinnacle of, of the sport, which is the Super Bowl, you know, next February. It would be a disservice to them to not do what's best for the team, whether it's acquiring a high draft pick in this upcoming draft to get them a better player um, or another player in return that can help us win on the field this fall. I'd be doing a disservice to them if I don't explore every avenue and use every ounce of leverage I have in order to you know just, just get the best player in return. So while, yeah, you'd like to see it neat and, and a nice clean breakup, it just rarely, if ever, works out that way. It's just it's just the way it is. It, it's, it's a cold world. It's a cold world. And you forgot the shareholders. We're out here trying to make a buck, even though the shareholders for the Packers make nothing. Uh, but yeah, the shareholders, right? It's, it's for the fans, right? You, they, they deserve to have a winning team. Um, so they're doing whatever they can to make that happen. So I get that. So I, you know, I, I don't disagree with you. I think it's just kind of an unfortunate situation. Um, I think they should just make it happen. You know, if, if they are, if there is a first round pick on the table, 
take the deal. You know what I mean? Take the deal, get the 13th overall pick, go get me Jordan Addison for Jordan Love and let's, let's move on. But I've been talking a lot, Ray, tell me who, who are you excited to see today? Yeah. So I just take a hard left turn here, right? I mean, we've had enough Aaron Rodgers talk and there's going to be plenty more over the coming weeks. I I'm sure. So, mm -hmm. um, totally separate from that. Uh, petty Belichick is the best Belichick, right? So the Patriots signed Juju Smith-Schuster for three years, $33 million, shortly after Jacoby Myers signed with the Raiders for three years and $33 million. Actually, I think it prompted a tweet from Jacoby Myers just sort of referencing that like, wow, isn't that something, huh? Um, <laughs> so it just, it, Belichick's up to something, right? You can never figure out exactly what's going on in his brain, um, but that's clearly that, that was clearly intentional in some respect. So uh, the thing about Juju, right, my mind immediately went to, does Belichick actually stand for like the BS on social media that Juju has just kind of become known for at this point, right? Because his play on the field hasn't really matched what it was in, what, 2018 um, with all the silly TikToks and stuff, right? I think Juju has to prove himself on the field first or Belichick will lock him in a dungeon or something because Belichick has no problem sitting a player for any reason if he feels that he's not giving it at all or not paying attention to detail for any reason, right? doesn't matter if you're Malcolm Butler in the Super Bowl uh, or a newly minted free agent who just signed a three-year deal uh, or Michael Onwenu who's crushing it on the interior of the offensive line. Uh, he has been known to just sit players if they're not living up to the standard that he sets for them. So I'm interested to see how that dynamic works out because he doesn't seem on the surface like a Belichick kind of guy or personality. Uh, from you know 30,000 foot view right now it could be unfair we're not in the film room or anything like that uh in the meetings but that's just what it seems from an outsider's perspective so strictly on the field Juju hasn't really come close to his 2018 form where he had over 1400 uh receiving yards over an 81 PFF grade and outside of that he's been sort of all over the map without ever coming close to his ceiling um and I don't see anything special out of New England and their current situation that makes me go, oh, okay, this is the catalyst that can bring Juju back to that old, his old self, right? Uh, yes, New England finally has an actual offensive coordinator now in Bill O'Brien. And don't make the mistake of dismissing Bill O'Brien, the coach, because of who Bill O'Brien, the general manager, was. That guy is still a phenomenal football coach when it comes down to brass tacks. Um, but again, not a lot of great weapons surrounding him. Mac Jones hasn't proven to be uh, any type of special quarterback that makes you look at a receiver and in any fantasy format and go, oh, okay, great. I love this situation for him. So I guess I'm kind of watching it from from afar and seeing if maybe there is something that, that uh, you know, gets Juju back to form, but I'm not betting on it, right? It's just more so he's sort of in that soup. We've talked about how the receiver position is super deep in the NFL, right? There's tons of really good ones, and then there's a bunch of just pretty good ones, right? And he's sort of in that pretty good pile that you maybe stash him at the back end of your rotation just to see if maybe there is a spark there and he does go back to his old form. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. And I'm going to make a stupid take, and I don't actually believe this, but <laughs> if, if you were to tell me uh, you can sign Juju or Jacoby Myers for similar money, and I said, who are you going to get the most return from your dollar on in terms of like jersey sales? It's definitely Juju, right? Like they're going to make more money on Juju being there than they would Jacoby Myers. But in all seriousness, Jacoby Myers, if you look at the receivers in this draft, there are a lot of guys with similar skill sets to him. And I think Juju adds a very different skill set to uh, 
the New England offense. So to your point, you know, I think I think there's definitely some scheming going on with Belichick. He has other plans. We don't know about it. We're all just pawns in his game. Um, but I like the fit. I like the fit for Juju. I think with Bill O'Brien there, it's, you know, his all 22 stocks should be going up. And I'm going to change pace and go with Baker to the Bucks. So only a one-year $8.5 million deal. And maybe I'm a sap, but Baker, uh, you know, in his first three years in the NFL in Cleveland, two of his two of his years, he had above 80 PFF grading, which is phenomenal for a young quarterback and something that is very rare to happen, very hard to do, uh, but it's special, right? And then it was that fourth year where he had the shoulder injury. You saw his grading like really tank and Cleveland just ditched him, right? They went and spent a ton of money on Deshaun Watson. They moved on and Baker kind of got thrown around the league a little bit, right? He signed with Carolina. Um, but it was a, a battle between him and Sam Darnold. Like they didn't actually give him the job. He had to go and earn that. He did. And then after a few poor performances, he got benched, right? Then he gets released or he asked for his release. Who knows really? He signs with LA, has an insane game, insane game, his first game back. And then, you know, kind of levels off after that with, with some average play, nothing special at all. But he was asked to do a lot last year. And after that shoulder injury, it's not like he had a full offseason to really prep and become that great quarterback again. But this year he gets to do that with a Buccaneers offense that still has Mike Evans, still has Chris Godwin, and uh, just is, is is decent, right? Like Tristan Wirfs is still there. They have some holes on that offensive line now, but it's a, it's a more stable uh, atmosphere, environment for him to grow in as opposed to what he's been in the last few years. So I do like this for, for Baker, and I'm not saying that he's you should go into this season with him as your number one quarterback, but if you could get him as a buy-low option, I think that's a great investment for you. Go, go trade a third or fourth-round pick on a quarterback that might end up being a starter at only, I don't know what he is now. Is he 27 years old? Is he even 27? Um, it could be a great investment for a team looking to buy a quarterback. Yeah, I don't disagree. I mean, he's 28 years old, but age doesn't seem to matter for quarterbacks until you hit like that 34-ish range, right? So yeah. there's plenty of years left if he's good enough to continue playing. Mm -hmm. My concern with Baker is I wonder if, because even when he came into the league, Cleveland was not a good situation. Cleveland's never been a good situation for anybody, right? Yep. Um, and so, yes, he played well while not in a great situation early on in his career, but I wonder if that just just wore on him, right? After a while, it takes its toll until you eventually, you have that injury and then you succumb to those injuries and have a poor season. Then they ship you out. Carolina was an absolute mess that final year under Matt Rule. Um, so really nothing to take away from that. And then he goes to LA, who was another mess. They were missing like the entire offensive line. Uh, that offense could just never get anything together. The, the Everything just basically fell apart for the Rams this past season too, right? So He's basically had three good seasons, three quality seasons as a starter. And then for the last two years, he's been in an absolute mess. So has he lost the edge or does he come out of it and sort of return to that, his younger self? I'm not convinced that Tampa Bay is still a great environment. I like the fact that they have Evans and Godwin there and, um, you know, that whole deal, but they still have a bit of a weakness on the offensive line, despite having Tristan Wirfs there. And so, I'm just a little concerned with how that whole deal is going to shake out, but it's definitely better than it was this past season in 2022. And obviously he dealt with the injuries in 2021. So I agree, definitely a buy low option, someone to stash away. And if he does go back to that 2018 to 2020 form, you got yourself a, a good starter, um, or at the very least, a very good backup in all 22. 
That's right. And what what do you think is good compensation, right? If I'm going to go trade for him, would you trade a third or, or are you going like a fifth? I'm trying to get him for a fifth. I might settle for a fourth because uh, I, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not in love with this draft class, I think. So by the time we're in that fourth round range or so in a rookie draft, uh, I think I think it's worth the move at that point. Um, so yeah, I, I would I would I would try offering a fifth, settle for a fourth if that's where you end up. Cool. Um, two other guys really quickly I wanted to mention: Hayden Hurst signs a three-year deal with the Panthers. Excited that he got the bag, but from an all twenty-two perspective, I definitely am passing on him. Uh, he's already twenty-nine years old. He looked great in his one year with the Bengals. But who wouldn't in that offense when there's those other weapons around him, right? There was He was never getting attention. So now he goes to the Panthers that lack essentially any other weapons besides Miles Sanders now being in the backfield. And I think that's just going to be really hard for him. But what I do like is I like what it does for whoever is the number one pick. Should give them a reliable target. Target. He has over an 80 catch grade, meaning he doesn't drop the ball a lot. So he's a, he's a reliable target. Um, so what am I saying? Hayden Hurst, value down. Pick number one, slight increase in value in my eyes. And then lastly, I just wanted to mention Cleveland Farrell signing with the 49ers. So this is another buy low candidate. I think he's a guy that you can get for very cheap, very, very cheap. And I wouldn't spend a lot on him at all. He has um, he had a really bad role in Vegas. He barely played any snaps this past year. Um, but in his sophomore year, he did show some elite traits. He had a 76.1 PFF grade. So that's that's really good. Um, definitely not for where he was drafted, but for you know an average player or a player that you might be able to get for a seventh round pick. I think that's great. He's now going to San Francisco, really good defense. He's going to get to play next to Bosa, Hargrave, and Armstead. He should be very successful there. So definitely a buy low guy. If you could get him for a seventh round pick, take the chance, go get him. Yeah, interested to see if his role is big enough in San Francisco to get the requisite amount of snaps needed, mm -hmm. um, because it always sort of you know piques my interest when a an organization who clearly knows what they're doing on that side of the ball makes a move like this. So they're telling you what they think when they clearly replace someone like Javon Kinlaw, but then make a note to bring in someone like Cleveland Farrell. Couldn't agree more. So Ray, any last takes from you? Uh, just excited to see what, uh, I, I don't know, is, is tomorrow like official day two, unofficial day four? I'm not sure how we're counting these <laughs> anymore, uh, but there's still a lot of quality guys out there still waiting to be signed. Uh, some rumors of uh, potential wide receiver trades out there on the market. So, I mean, we'll just see, we'll just see what happens over the next couple of days, but uh, you know, the beat never stops. Yeah, and we'll see where Rodgers ends up. And yeah, hopefully I get a haircut tomorrow. But until then, rocking a PG Sports hat. So shout out to Paul Garino at PG Sports. And everybody, we'll talk to you tomorrow.